Hello, everybody. I'm Dr. Connor Hogan, PhD. You're welcome to The Doc Connor Show. Ten psychology secrets most people just don't know. What are those magical things, those secrets, those things that psychologists have perhaps not shared with us and how can we use them when we know them for betterment of our own lives and others? Firstly, outward appearances tell people an awful lot about you and an awful lot about others too. Just think about it for a minute. I mean, the outward appearance. Am I talking about clothes? Yes, of course I am. I mean, here I am wearing my big shirt and my big suit but is it just about clothes obviously i'm trying to be professional somewhat because this is what i work at but at the same time there's an outward appearance on my face if i'm genuinely happy to do this video and you know what i am but i can just tell you that i might actually be in serious regret because i have to post this video for some reason but no i am genuinely happy to share these 10 secrets with you and also it's my appearance, whether my eyes are saying it, whether my mouth is truly saying it, and where my expressions are going. And sometimes we have those innately within us as human beings. We can actually just see whether a person is happy or on the scale of happiness from a five to 10, rather than being one to four down below and a little bit regretful or a little bit not too happy in presenting what you're presenting. It's the same way with a lot of people, and it's going to be the same way with yourself. Think about going into a job interview. If you just look in the mirror right before you go in, you'll see whether you really are excited or whether you are really nervous or really up for that interview or whatever. Basically seen from your appearance. It's not just about the clothes you wear, it's your outward appearance. So there was university research doing said on this basically. And it said that the characteristics and the traits of people can be seen as be it egocentric or dishonest or even intelligent or creative and even desirable also so there's not just the positive and the negative not just looking at somebody and saying hey they have a positive outlook on life they're smiling they're happy to presenting a video or they're sad they're glum they're not too happy with things it's not just the positive or negative. You've got all those characteristics too that can be seen whether a person is feeling intelligently or portraying intelligently, desirable, uh, dishonest, egocentric, and creative even. So there's all these other characteristics that can actually come out of particular instances of seeing a person presented in front of you, that outward appearance. So these things actually work as they say, these things actually do what they are supposed to do on the tin. These behaviors are known. Now we're often blinded by the effect that we have or others have because we simply don't see their facial expressions if we are not looking at them. I mean, if people have mobile phones out and they're talking to somebody and they're not looking at the person in front of them, they're not seeing the momentary facial expressions. So how can you read whether they're genuinely happy or sad, even just positive or negative? I mean, if they're saying, well, I'm, I'm okay, things are, things are good, yeah, Th things are good. And you know, you, if you looked up and just saw their face, that that's just completely contradictory to what they're actually expressing 
outwardly on their face. It's the same way with ourselves. Because if we can't see our own expressions and gestures or even body language, how can we know what we're communicating truly to others? Hmm. It's a pickup. Another reason behind this, or another kind of secret from the psychology aspect, is gaining some distance can help you know yourself better. You see, if you were to say, for example, self-reflect, keep a diary, and looking at particular conversations that you've had after that by just organizing them in your diary and just writing down the, well, the pinpoint main points even of that conversation, you're going to be able to, well, recall things later on and learn things by gaining some distance, by emotionally locking away that diary for a week and then looking at the pinpoint things that a person said or even when you know a person has a mobile phone or technology like that and they get texts from people often we react and we text back rather than actually taking the texts for what they are at a distance so if we put them all onto a piece of paper or to and from texts our whole conversation with that person we can then actually momentarily a week or so later go towards that text that writing and just analyze it from well a cognitive point of view rather than just emotionally jumping all over it and reacting and causing some sort of scene or causing some sort of regret that we'll have so this is how we can trick ourselves to actually be a little bit more calm in the moment when we can genuinely advertise well analyze things and then we can advertise ourselves as being a better person as well so you can call it a kind of self-discovery diary, a thing that we can look at ourselves in time. We too often think we are better than we actually are at something. If you think you're wonderful at something and you're not necessarily that good, well then you're fooling yourself. Okay, you need to believe in yourself for sure, there's no doubt about that. I mean, improve, fantastic, always improve. But if you're better at something and you're not spending time at it, you're wasting your ability, your innate ability to do something. But similarly, if you're actually spending time at something or gloating over the fact that you're really good at something and you're really not, you're really wasting your time. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of communication to others. Others would start thinking that not in just that particular aspect of life, but in other aspects of life that you are wasting your personality. What are you doing? You are not that good at that thing. You are completely unaware of yourself, they're thinking. So they're looking at the different effects that you seem to have on your own self, not just in that particular instance of that thing, but actually in the fact that, well, you're not too self-aware perhaps in all other areas of your life as well. That's a scary thought. So we need to be realistic with what we're good at and then put the energy of passion behind that and that only because if there's things that we're not so great at and we think we're great at well then we're only cutting ourselves and fooling nobody but numero uno another thing that secrets lie is because people who tear themselves down experience setbacks more frequently you see if you're looking at yourself and you're suffering or have a distorted view well then you're going to actually well tear yourself down and you're experiencing setbacks more often i mean if you think about it that basically when you're a child and you're well feel as if you've been set back that's not a good thing but you're a child you can grow you can develop but if you're a child and suddenly you feel as if 
you have had uh, the worst thing in the world happening. And look, if you're 10 years of age, you're very young. So if something really, really, really bad happens, like your pet bunny dies or your pet cat or dog dies, it's horrible. There's no doubt about it. There's no two ways about it. You probably remember that experience, that perception of feeling horrible, emotional for the rest of your life. When we are knocking ourselves, putting ourselves down, in reaction to say a death, a horrible death when we're young, we're not experiencing exactly our wonderful kind of feeling we should have for that person. Sure, we'll be disappointed. Sure, we might even get depressed. But if we have this lingering feeling of guilt towards how we could have, you know, helped that person whilst they were alive or we could have been better as a person, well, then that's going to knock ourselves down. It's going to peg ourselves back. If we experience a good way of helping people and being a better person, how can we be more guilty in the future? If we have lost that person, we've lost that person. It's horrible. But we can have that knowingness within ourselves that we have indeed done the best we could do at that time. It is small, but it is something. It is something that can help us perhaps in the future. If we are day to day pegging ourselves down, pulling ourselves back, knocking ourselves, it's getting us nowhere. If we have setbacks then in the future, these setbacks are going to just accelerate for us to knock ourselves down again. So life will throw us curveballs. Life will throw us things in the way. Things will go wrong. We will lose money. We will lose jobs and so on. We will break up relationships. But if we keep blaming ourselves and just taking our own will to be better away from ourselves, we are taking our own right to actually fulfill ourselves or help ourselves now and in the future. So people who tear themselves down experience setbacks more frequently. So we need to G ourselves up when things are not going so well. Otherwise, well, we're not just getting that psychological secret that most psychologists know but don't want to tell us or haven't told us until now. So what is another thing? If you deceive yourself without realizing it, well, then you're still deceiving yourself. I mean, according to one particular theory, that if you have a tendency to, well, self-deceive, it comes from the desire to actually impress others. To try to be convincing, we often see ourselves that we must be convinced of our capabilities and truthfulness. Supporting this idea, this theory, is the observation that people that who are really good at, say, manipulating are often quite, well, full of themselves. People who are good at sales, and this is an example, they have a lot of enthusiasm and that is kind of contagious. So if a person is selling some particular product, they might be enthusiastic around that product. And therefore, a person gets manipulated in thinking that this particular product is the best product for them. But the truth is, they are actually just contagiously giving them their enthusiasm. Now, those who doubt themselves, though, are generally not as good at sweet talking. You see, lab research supported this as well. In one particular study, it showed that patients, well, particip participants more so in this study, they were offered money if during an interview they could convince and claim or help a person convincingly know that they have aced their IQ test. Now, the more effort that these particular candidates put into their performance, the more they themselves came to actually believe that they scored well and high enough in that IQ test, even though their actual scores were, they were just less than average. You see, our self-deceptions have been shown 
to change. And quite often, they, well, their flexibility in new situations are adaptable. This adaptability then demonstrates like that we can basically be thwarted, we can be manipulated. So we really need to understand things a little bit better for us to actually understand when we are being deceived or not. Because if we're being deceived by, say, somebody else, then surely if we are deceiving ourselves without realizing it, we too must realize we're digging ourselves a deeper hole and it's us that's holding the shovel. It's not somebody else. If we can perceive that someone is selling us, well, that's one thing. If we buy, that's another thing. But if we ourselves are not realizing the, that us ourselves are deceiving ourselves, well, then there surely is a problem and we need to be more self-aware. Self-awareness is key. I've said it in other videos too. If we have more self-awareness, we are really eliciting exactly what we can control in life for ourselves, for now and in the future. And if we have any regrets, well, that's going to go on the choices that we have already made considering that self-awareness. The true self is good for you. This is a psychological secret that you may not have heard before. You see, most people, they have a solid, essential, well, core, or at least they think they have. And this is essentially what our true self is. You might call it spirit or soul or whatever. But the bottom line is the true self is good for you. It's about knowing what our core values are in life. Again, if we look at our parents' time, what they imparted into us, what they told us, perhaps was wonderful. Perhaps they are our core values and that's all wonderful. But if it's a thing where we really, at our core, don't believe even what our parents said or some things they said or perhaps some things they educated us on came from their own experiences but not necessarily ours and ours are the flip opposite of that, we can choose to go at our core values. So our core values are exactly what essentially we feel and what exactly are our central thesis on life. So we too need to go with what we call essentially our gut instinct. So a new study was done about well, keeping secrets and when we're talking about psychological secrets it's the psychology of secrets and this had well found really that the psychology of keeping secrets has categorized over 13,000 secrets. Now with this study a secret was any information that a person intended to conceal from one or more individuals and in this study back in well 2012 the people that were found who were distracted by the secret tended to judge things and tasks and things to do to more arduous than they were actually in reality. This is because a war perception came from them from a distance and they were well distracted. This was due to the research done on over 1,000 participants who were asked to describe a secret they were keeping. They were then reviewed by the researcher who well, man manually created 38 broad categories which each person could fall into. So for example, if a person was stealing, they were known uh, to a person or stealing from an organization, they were put into a category called theft. And then there were things, distinctions like emotional infidelity or flirting or sexual infidelity and cheating. So all of these categories, they basically had an appendix and one was like a harm, done on another person, drug use or drug habit addiction, theft, doing something illegal, self-harm, abortion, trauma, lies, violation of trust, romantic desire, romantic discontent, extra relational thoughts and 
sexual infidelity, emotional infidelity, if there's such a thing, there is, it seems, being the other woman or man in someone's relationship, social discontent, and so on. Even down to the more well, promiscuous things like having sex with somebody, ambition, and so on. Now, some secrets were so personal to these participants that they did not fit into one of these categories. So there was the study compiled categories to all these set of well participants. And on average, each person currently, it seemed from the study, had at least 13 secrets from the list. Now that's quite extraordinary. Now, according to the study, there was at least five of these secrets who were, well, they were ones they had never told to anybody. Now the most common of those secrets, believe it or not, were 60% saying a lie of financial impropriety. Hmm, interesting. 47% said they violated trust of someone else. A third of people had hidden theft within a relationship or within a work relationship. Now, all of these secrets, mind, have, and we're talking about psychological secrets, but secrets that we have ourselves is a psychological secret because if we have these secrets within ourselves, and it turns out from that study a lot of people do, then there's a burden on these secrets. They weigh heavily on people. Guilt is what comes. So we need to actively get out of that guilt zone and get back into our pleasant zone. Why? Because it's where we need to be to flow in life. So that study is a huge one. Now another psychological secret other than talking about other people's secrets is mirroring people's body language when you interact with them is actually a good way of building up rapport and trust. It's not always known. If you go to somebody and you want to make an impression of them, say it's an interview, you can go up to them and say, hey, hey, How's it going? This is me. How are you? And smile. Fine. But if they're not in such a great mood, is smiling always the best thing for you to do? Not necessarily. Because if a person, even the interviewer, or if they're having a bad day, you need to be able to mimic that rapport with them. So by getting down to their level a little bit, it's going to be better for you in that interview. Another psychological secret is when walking through a crowd, if you keep your gaze on gaps between people rather than on people themselves, you're going to notice. What are you going to notice? Well, if you keep your eyes on those gaps, usually they'll part ways to let you through. So this is basically a psychological trick. So rather than looking at somebody in the eye while you're walking down the street, just try to well, shuffle a little bit and look to the right or look to the left. Look for where the gaps are. And believe it or not, they'll actually see what you're doing or intending to do. They might think you're a little bit simple or a little bit unused to walking. Either way, they'll allow you through. Now, a date that involves adrenaline, such as a horror movie or getting mugged, believe it or not, even a bad thing, this adrenaline, even a roller coaster, they will help stimulate arousal in your brain. And this allows you to enjoy your company a little bit more. So if you decide to bring somebody on a date, make sure it's an exciting one. Bring them on a roller coaster because once they're up there, before they know it, there's an arousal going on with you intent. Now a warm handshake, lastly, is wonderful. Why? Because it makes, makes you more attractive. So greet people with a handshake and believe it or not, you will actually psychologically see secrets unfold within your midst straight away. They're the wonderful secrets for you. I think I've popped in one or two extra. 
and I'm thankful for you for subscribing. If you haven't already, please do, so hit that button. Thank you for subscribing if you have, I said, because I like to thank you twice. One, two. Until next time, have a wonderful day.